0: Hey guys, welcome to Podiatry Practice Mastery. Uh, Don here. I um, want to share about a little experience. I don't, I don't know if you guys know, um, on the side, I I don't know if it's on the side, but I uh, I use a, Athena for my EMR, and occasionally I get asked to help people uh, with, their, with their EMR, and that's why I, I kind of put all the templates together uh, that I use, and I kind of give them out and let people use them and things like that. They're all... Um, I'll put them underneath this episode if you if you want. Basically, it's a Google a Google Drive folder with all the templates and things like that uh, that you you might find beneficial. And and then I did a few. There's a few videos that I've done as well on that topic. Um, but I was talking to someone the other day. She's a, a kind of a, not a newer practitioner. She's been in practice for about seven or eight years. And. Uh, kind of similar. I have two kids, she has four kids, and she is switching from a, a private practice group to her own thing, and she had a lot of questions about Athena. And uh, I just, because other people might have these questions, I wanted to go over those. Uh, one of the main questions was about uh, billing, and do you need uh, your own billing person? In my experience, some of the EMRs are trying to include their own billers, and we we do not. We have We still have our own in-house billers, uh, that we use. We thought that by switching to what some of these EMRs, that they would do all the billing for us. And I just want to clarify, they, they will for like an extra percentage point or something like that. I think her initial percentage point is like 8%. And I, I don't know if billing is included. We still have to figure that out. But um, if you think about it, if they're really good, it might be good. But if they're doing every single specialty, it's a little bit more challenging. And it's probably better to have in-house billing. And what I mean by in-house doesn't mean it have to be at your office. They can even be a virtual person. Because in our office, we have one in-house biller, and we have one person that she works from Florida. And she works virtually because she can log into our Athena, and she can do all the billing and pushes things out very, very well. Um, her name is Jess. And uh, the, the reason we do that is we found that doing it um, in-house, there's more of an incentive to run after the claims. So, for example, if things aren't uh, covered... Or they get kicked back, we're more incentivized to do that versus maybe someone else. Um, And you know, because also you have to look at what the the value and time value is, because within uh, Athena or any any of these billing companies, they get a percentage, right? So you're already paying a percentage for your EMR, and then you're also paying another percentage for your billing software. So so for the biller, so it it kind of goes up. Um, We don't pay a percentage to them; we just pay them like their salary or whatever their their amount is that they get paid. Um, so an, another thought maybe as I'm just thinking about it is the same way where I'm starting to use a scribe uh, to do uh, like scribing, you could even find someone, I guess you could train someone from another country to, to do that as long as they kind of know what to do and you have a training, a training process for that. So that was one of the questions was, uh, does it come included? Um, another question that she had was, do they uh, get all your credentialing? And this is a, kind of a, a little... Um, I guess snafu that happened is she thought that they came on before you got credentialed, and really they don't help at all with credentialing. I don't think any EMRs do. You can pay someone to do credentialing, or you can just do all the hard work to tr- switch everything over to your new address and your new and your your n- new insurance wherever you're going to be at. And that and that's what's really delaying this this doctor that's starting her own practice is that aspect. So you have to remember if you are switching from one practice to another, you have to switch all your all your billing information and uh, and that. Uh, the third thing that we we're kind of arguing back and forth about, not arguing, but just talking about, is a, a dislike that I have. I think it's not just specific to Athena. I think it's any EMR, unless they can do a carve-out, is that there are a lot of cash pay things that we do in our office. For example, we're talking carryflex Onifix, um, Shockwave, uh, Orthotics, uh, things like that. <clears throat> and that's a substantial amount, amnio, a substantial amount in, in the office. And and even though they're not billing it through the clearing house they're still getting a percentage of it so this is kind of one of our qualms uh, with it I haven't found anyone that kind of does a carve out. It would make sense that they would do a carve out uh, of that meaning all the i don't know the stuff you sell you would uh you could just have for yourself so that was another another question that we were talking about uh, last night on the on the phone. Uh, and uh and i guess the and we we're talking a little bit about like online scheduling she asked why i did only new patients uh via the website and not the follow-up patients and the reason for that is on our website if you go there uh, which is centralmasspodiatry.com you can make an appointment for a new patient but the follow-ups you can't and the reason for that is in our schedule we have new appointment blocks uh depending on the day there's like three or four in the morning and then three or four in the afternoon and those are fixed but the follow-ups the the follow-up patients don't always know where to schedule depending on the procedure. So for example, if they schedule and, and, and they, they're they seeing for one thing and they don't really know what it's for, let's say they have to come in for a shockwave and they don't know it's shockwave, they're just making a follow-up appointment and they're, and they're, there's always already two or three shockwave there or something else like that. Or they want to come in for a lunula and they don't know that that is for a medical assistant appointment and not for a doctor appointment. So that's the reason we don't do follow-up. Um, I guess another option is we could allow them to do follow-up and then just call everyone. Okay, And then the last thing, which um, uh, she actually helped me with, this other doctor, is um, verifying coverage for all DME prior. We don't have a really good system for that. I want to be clear. Maybe I should. I I just don't. Uh, But I liked the idea that she gave. And um, what it was is you, you certainly, for all new patients, you check, and then you put that in a little sheet, and you save that in the EMR in a certain section under, like, documents. So you could make a section for, like, DME checking and, or something like that. So you at least know when they come in, you can check that, uh, what their deductible is, how much of that they've met, um, thing, things like that. So those are kind of the, the highlights of our talk. Um, I'd love to know what you guys do if you check coverage for every patient, if you have a really good system. Um, where do you put that in your EMR? Uh, do you put it somewhere? Do you like do a PDF or do you have like a Word document? Uh, and kind of what your workflow is. Let, let me know. Send me an email at don at podiatrypracticemastery.com, and then uh, let me know any like other thoughts or things that are working for you. Um, one thing I was uh, I did an interview yesterday from it's called a sub kit S U B K I T K I T, <laughs> and uh, what that is it's a subscription service. Uh, I I don't think it's going to really work for podiatry. i have trying to figure out a way that it would work for orthotics. I've been kind of thinking about this for a while, uh, but th- their their whole thought was. Uh, if, if patients, let's say they get the orthotics and then like for Massachusetts, for example, it's not covered by insurance. So some are covered, others aren't, most people aren't. So they get it for 550, we, you know, and then they pay us, um, uh, m- monthly, uh, for that, let's say it's like 15 bucks or 20 bucks a month and included with, the the monthly thing they could they, they get some type of like an insurance or outgrowth or, or something else. That, uh, that they could get in addition to it. Um, I still like this idea of an orthotic subscription, uh, but the thing is, let's say they stop paying, how are you gonna get the rest of the money, right, if they stop paying for that subscription? Uh, another way that might be a little bit better, and I'm just kind of throwing it out here, is doing not so much a subscription, but having um, a, a insurance plan. And I'm just calling it an, an insurance plan, so instead of the orthotic company insuring the orthotics, You could insure the orthotics. And my thought is, let's say that costs them the insurance. Let's say it costs them a dollar a month. Okay. I'm just throwing out a dollar a month. Um, the main reason for the insurance plan isn't so much for the insurance. It's more as a way that we can keep getting paid. Let's say a dollar a month or something else like that, or five dollars a month. But more importantly, that then we can market other things to these patients. So if, if if they have your I don't know your orthotic club, okay, we could make an orthotic club in our office, or maybe and, and this is not orthotic company specific, so all the orthotic companies could could um, participate in this, and then with this they would have let's say uh, protection against theft, you would have protection against breaking, protection against I don't know other things, and then you could add add other benefits. Kind of as as add-ons, they would get their monthly newsletter about orthotics. They would get their, I don't know, healthy healthy orthotic club tips about foot foot issues. Uh, so basically, it's a way that the podiatrist uh, could use to get in front of their patients more frequently. It's almost like a you're, you're, you're charging them and then they're automatically getting a newsletter that's specific to the podiatrist sent directly to them, let's say once a month or once a quarter. So I I think that's kind of a a neat, a a neat way, uh, to do it. Um, and, and the other good idea that Subkit had was this thing about, they have this thing called Go Solo G-O-S-O-L-O. And what I liked about that is they sent me an email, you may have got it from them as well, or maybe not maybe cuz I'm on their list but the neat idea about go solo is they send out basically it's a google form and they ask you to to put your information in there so if you look up go solo.com and the, and the neat thing is is they say well we're going to ask you these questions about your business uh and we are going to publish this on our website and we're going to put backlinks to your sites and all your socials so the neat thing is is it's it's providing a benefit to me, okay, or other entrepreneurs, so basically this is for entrepreneurs, it gets their name out there, and um, it also is going to give good content for their blog. So the kind of the conversation in my head is twofold, one within Podiatry Practice Mastery, um, all these people that I've interviewed uh, or companies, um, I could do a, a Google Doc uh, or a, a Google Form, they could fill it out. With their socials, I could do backlinking and put it in a blog section under, I don't know, the best of podiatry companies. It would be good for them. They would get backlinks and I would get more content for the blog. And you could also do that with practitioners. So for with practitioners, um, they could share their best tips or something like that. Or even within my Central Mass Podiatry website, you could do the same thing with local businesses. Kind of as a, you know, as a kind of a, a thank you, giving backlinks to the local shoe store, uh physical therapy places um other people that are, I'm already referring to but it would it would kind of create goodwill for them and then they could they could use this in some time somehow in their marketing so i just thought that was a kind of a neat approach it's a way one to produce content uh for your blog it's also a way to give goodwill to to other people that that need that uh by giving them backlinks anyway uh, those are the ideas for now. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Uh, if you guys haven't downloaded the, the patient presentations tool, um, go to Podiatry Practice Mastery and download that. Um, subscribe to these um, podcasts and uh, let me know what you think. Okay, thanks guys.